great. Now, see how much better you sing when you stand up? I don't know how you can sit down for that song. It's just, it's just fabulous. Okay, we've got some announcements. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the C word this morning, which I'm sure you did not come here to hear about, coronavirus. Um, <clears throat> however, it's out there. There have been some people that have expressed some concerns about uh, continuing to meet. This is what the plan for the church is that we're going to meet today. Then we've got next week off for spring break. So don't come. We've got all next spring off, which, which enables us to ha really have about 10 days, 12 days of more data gathering, and then the church is going to kind of regroup and see sort of where we are. You will hear from us before the 25th. Um, I think we're going to continue to meet because, you know what, we're a church and we do Bible study and we have no active cases of coronavirus in the city of Austin right now. So you will hear from us again before the 25th. Uh, that is probably going to be one of the most exciting lessons we do all year. It's about God's wrath. <laughs> now, before you start backing up, let me just tell you, I've already worked on that, on that lecture and you're going to be grateful you don't duck that lesson. So that's just a little heads up for the 25th. Uh, we've got Holy Week services up there coming up. <clears throat> April 6th starts Holy Week. Good Friday, April 10th and Easter. And then April 15th is our picnic. And I feel strange telling you all that, but it feels like it's almost here. Anyway, so that's the other. We don't have any other announcements? Okay, we have a story. Katrina Preston is going to tell us our story. this on? Yeah. All right. Good morning. I'm here to share a story with you today about something exciting that God is doing in my life and also in the life of lamplighters. I have been a member of Covenant for about 20 years. I've been a lamplighter many of those years, and I've been a leader for quite a few as family life has permitted. About 12 years ago, my husband and I decided to move to Cedar Park. We did that because we wanted to start our family, and we now have two boys, ages 8 and 10. And I love everything about living in Cedar Park, except for how far away it is from Covenant. <laughs> this is not a problem on a Sunday morning, but on Wednesdays, the traffic is truly awful. <laughs> and um, it has gotten progressively worse over the years since we've lived up north. So I found myself whining and complaining to God about my commute, and I started informing him that I didn't think I was going to be able to continue as a small group leader anymore. And then I didn't know if I'd even be able to continue in Lamplighters anymore. I thought maybe I would have to find a Bible study at a different church. And I heard the Lord say three things. He said, you are supposed to be a Lamplighters. You are supposed to be a leader. And then he whispered, I have a solution. I don't know why I'm getting so emotional. This is exciting news. Well, I wasn't too sure about God's solution, and I pushed it aside, and I carried on whining and complaining to anybody who would listen about my traffic woes. Um, but God is tenacious, and he kept throwing other women in my path who also lived up north. Do you know we have women coming from North Austin, Cedar Park, Round Rock, and even Leander and Georgetown? And we all come because Lamplighters is so special. And then God put women in my path who are former Lamplighters, 
but don't come anymore because of the traffic and the added time commitment to be here. So I started praying, really praying about God's solution. And I asked the other leaders to pray too. You see, God's plan is that we need a Lamplighters on Location group up north. So I'm excited to announce that I'm stepping out in faith and in obedience to God's plan and forming a Lamps on Location group in Cedar Park next year. We are gonna meet in my home <laughs> on Thursday mornings from 9.30 to 11. That way we can listen to the lecture online from the day before and we will just gather together for small group and prayer time. And I'm really excited to see who God is calling to my dining table. I think that there's other lamplighters who are also discouraged by traffic. <laughs> I think there might be some busy moms of school-aged children who can't afford the time to travel all the way to Covenant um, and fight the traffic and be here, but maybe they could have an hour and a half for Bible study time. Or maybe there's some women who are intimidated to walk in the doors of a church to go to a Bible study, but a home seems a little more welcoming and inviting. You see, I've realized that God's solution is about a lot more than traffic. His ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I'm excited that when you have a group that is geographically located close to one another, you can care for and minister to one another. Barbara Worley gave a beautiful picture of that in her story a few weeks ago. You can take a meal to a lady when it's not the other side of town at rush hour. <laughs> you can meet together for coffee or lunch more easily. You can give someone a ride to Bible study who's had surgery and can't drive if they live close by you. And for those wondering where exactly my house is, I'm in the Ranch of Brushy Creek subdivision, which is near the intersection of Palmer Lane and Brushy Creek Road, so the east end of Cedar Park. Now we do have a couple of limitations. The first is that it's a small group, so we're gonna try to keep it fairly small and only have about 12 people if we can. The second is there will be no childcare. Um, a sleeping newborn would be okay, but I've tried to do my Bible study when my boys were screaming toddlers and it does not work very well. <laughs> so if they're walking and talking, then we would ask that they be dropped off in preschool or drop in childcare first and then mom can come and be refreshed by God's word. So please be prayerful about whether God is calling you or maybe someone that you know um, to this new group. If you have questions, please come and see me or talk to your small group leader and they can get us in touch. Um, and it will be on the website for next year when you sign up. Thursday mornings, Lamplighters on Location in Cedar Park. And on a personal note, the reason that I was really resistant to God's plan initially was that I'm gonna miss Wednesday mornings. I'm gonna miss being here with all of you. So I do, I won't be gone completely. I do plan to um, brave the traffic once a month and come for the leaders meeting and for um, the lecture. So I'll be around, but um, I will dearly miss being here every week with all of you. So please um, pray for our new venture. Thank you. Thank you, Katrina. I certainly can resonate with what you say about traffic. <laughs> but, and also, I realize we haven't had an update in here in a while, but just, <coughs> we kind of laughingly refer to this group as the mothership, the mothership on Wednesday mornings. But we have spun out of this mothership a Monday night group, a Wednesday night group, 
a Thursday noon group, which is now so big it really needs to divide into two, but they're refusing to do that. Um, three moms groups of moms with, with young children that meet here. They're, they're not studying exactly with us, but they're kind of tracking parallel. And we recently have become aware that we've got uh, a group in the Netherlands that's using our stuff. And occasionally somebody in Utah, I don't know who that person is, but about every other year she sort of checks in with us, which is great. They find us online somehow or another. So just know that your ministry here on Wednesday mornings has a ripple effect that you really don't know about, and it's very, very exciting. We are sad to lose Katrina to us, but we are excited about this new group because I think it will reach a lot of people that we're not going to reach on the mothership. So we will continue to pray for you, Katrina. Thank you so much. Um, let's pray, and we'll get started. <coughs> Heavenly Father, you are indescribable, uncontainable. You are incomprehensible to us, and we thank you for it. For that means you are far bigger than we can even uh, imagine. And that um, brings you glory, and it brings us comfort and joy. So we ask that you open us up a little bit to the mystery that is you today. Help us experience that together as we go through this lesson that we may reflect more of you as we leave this place today. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'll put that up. <clears throat> Have you ever had an aha moment in your life? Like that instant that the light bulbs come on and all of a sudden everything has changed? Um, I've had several of those, but probably one of the biggest and most memorable aha moments for me was the day that I recognized I could read. It changed my life. It also changed my mother's life, actually. <clears throat> but I, a whole new world opened up. I mean, I like, I loved everything about reading. I loved meeting new people and going new places and having adventures that weren't too dangerous and becoming a princess and a, a giant mythical creature. And <clears throat> I loved everything about it. I loved having my own library card and getting to go to the library on the children's side and go through all the shelving and pick out my books that I wanted to read and take them home. I loved the feel of turning pages. I loved the way the light hit letters on the page, which is why I still prefer hard copy to my Kindle, although I do read on Kindle occasionally. Uh, and my mother loved it because I loved it, and I was therefore very happily and productively occupied for hours at a time and out of her hair. You could describe me as a voracious reader. I read everything, letters, signs, books, backs of cereal boxes, uh, any, anything I saw I read. I was a voracious reader. I read the way my brothers ate. <laughs> I, I loved it. And I didn't think it could ever get any better than that. And then one day, I discovered mysteries. And I think it was Nancy Drew, actually. See, I see some of you have read her, right? Secret of the Old Clock. I read every single uh, series of her. And then I moved on to Agatha Christie and Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot became my heroes. And I loved him because not only could I meet interesting people and go to foreign places and all that, but mysteries had the added seduction of being mentally stimulating in a new way. That I had to try to figure it out, right? 
I had to read carefully and search for clues and try to put the pieces of the puzzle together before those guys did, right? It was, it was a race to see if I could figure out the mystery before they did. And the other satisfying thing about mysteries were they were always wrapped up tidily at the end. You, you always knew. You always knew the outcome. It had a finish. You may not like it, but it had a definite finish where the mystery was revealed. I still love mysteries. And you're probably wondering, what in the world does this have to do with today's lesson? Okay, we're going to get to it in a minute. <laughs> uh, when the Holy Spirit put these lessons together last spring, I laughed out loud at the idea of st something, studying something that is by definition we cannot understand, right? It's just so deliciously paradoxical. And I told Lynn, I said, this is going to be such a fun lesson. And she looked at me like I had lost my mind. It is a fun lesson. Y'all will have fun with it today, I promise. A um, couple of weekends ago, we were with a group of people, and the men had all gone off to do something, and I was with the women, and we were just chatting and catching up with each other. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And so they came to me, and I said, well, I'm, I'm still teaching Bible study. Well, what are y'all studying this year? I said, oh, we're studying God's attributes. Well, what, what's the next one for you? And I said, we're going to study that God's incomprehensibility. And they went, really? Yeah, and that led us into a discussion of what incomprehensible is. So I will share with you what we discovered is that all of our husbands, and I won't say all men, but all of our husbands find us to be incomprehensible in three ways. <laughs> One is skinny jeans. Two is decorative pillows that have to come off of a bed and be put back on a bed every time when you make it up, right? They don't get it. And the third one is pajama days. We are incomprehensible in that way to our husbands. I, I took great comfort in the fact that they were also too. So in spite of the fact that Harold probably does think I'm incomprehensible most of the time, um, this is not an attribute that God shares with us. It's an immutable one. He, he doesn't give it to us. And never has Lynn's Richard Rohr quote been more accurate than it is for today. She says, if you can define it, and I would say, or understand it, it's not God, right? Incomprehensible, by definition, means it's impossible to comprehend. It's beyond understanding. Like transcendence, when we studied that before the break, uh, it's an attribute of God that's really beyond our, the reach of our human intellect. He is infinite. We are finite. And finite can't understand the infinite. All right? God is incomprehensible. We can't understand him. Period. Full stop. That's all she wrote. Short lesson, right? But you know I'm not going to stop there. <laughs> so we're going to delve a little bit more into this. We can't know, which is the goal of studying, but we can experience and explore it. As we start that in this lesson this week, let us acknowledge the fact that we can only explore so far into the one who remains shrouded in mystery. And God will always be shrouded in mystery. So we can only get around the edges of that. Now, have any of you ever wondered 
why we yearn to know that which cannot be fully known. Some of you worry about this more than others of you. I am one of those with sort of an insatiable desire to know. Why? Why do we seek to comprehend the incomprehensibility? Blaise Pascal, who we have quoted several times in this study this year, he's the one who said every person has a God-shaped vacuum in them or a God-shaped uh, hole in their heart that can only be, be filled by God as revealed in Jesus Christ. That's true. That's a true statement. But why is that true? It's because we were created in the image of God. And our souls sense that origin and they long to go home. The love of mysteries in me is a, a faint, very faint, very blurred image of the mystery of God which calls to me and lures me in. When God created us in his image, he planted in us a pull toward the incomprehensible because it keeps us orbiting around him and it keeps us pulling toward him. So that's why, that's why we have that God-shaped hole in our heart is because he wants to fill it. All right, so God is incomprehensible. We can't understand him, but... He's not unknowable. He's unable to be fully known, but he does reveal himself. He reveals himself in all the ways we've talked about this year, through creation, um, through his word, through his son, through his spirit. And he wants us to know him. Uh, there's that verse out of Psalm 46 that says, be still and know that I am God, he wouldn't tell us we could know unless we can know, right? Because he reveals himself. Now sometimes, sometimes he reveals himself in very uh, dramatic and majestic ways. A couple of weeks ago, Thomas read out of Revelation, the end of the book of Revelation, the picture of God on his throne. This, what we're gonna look at next, is a little bit like that. Okay, it's Ezekiel's vision of heaven opening up and God on his throne. And notice his struggle to tell us what actually really happened in this vision, how God revealed himself, okay? Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 25 through 28. Above the expanse over their heads was what looked like a throne of sapphire. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man, I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal as if full of fire, and that from there down he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. That's a very visual picture. And we can kind of see it. And at the same time, we don't really get it, right? Because what? He's trying to describe the indescribable, like the song we sang this morning. He's trying to describe the indescribable. We cannot fully know that God. 
He reveals himself, yes, through this vision, but he's also shrouded in mystery in the vision too. And Ezekiel finds himself without words to describe what's going on. Now, for most of us, a vision like that is outside the realm of our normal experience, right? That is certainly um, incomprehensible to us. So let's take a couple of things that are more in our little bailiwick to see if we can at least get a little bit of the size of the incomprehensibility of God. Let's take patience. Okay, now most of us are familiar with it. Some are more familiar than, than others. We won't point count any names. I think we've all thought at one time or another we need to be more patient. And we've all experienced at one time or another our finite uh, capacity for patience, right? So that's how we experience it as human beings. God, the experience of God's patient is very different. If you have even a cursory knowledge of the history of the Jewish people and or the history of the church for the last 2,000 years, you will look at that and say God's patience is incomprehensible. How does he put up with us? Because we wouldn't put up with ourselves. So that's a way kind of, of getting at the magnitude of God's patience. Let's pick another one. We're in the season of Lent in the Christian church where we <clears throat> meditate and contemplate our own mortality, our own sin nature, and the gifts that God has given to us, okay? So let's think about that a minute. We just came through the Christmas season in Advent. God came down, humbled himself, and was born as a baby. That is incomprehensible. You'll get to look at that text today in your small groups. There are several incomprehensible things in that text. Y'all are going to have fun with that. If that were not outlandish enough, the rescue mission that Jesus came on is also incomprehensible. Because when we were sinners, Christ died for us. And the fact that he was raised again from the dead, which we celebrate on Easter, is also incomprehensible. How does that happen? And through that, we receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That that is a mystery, ladies, that we can dive into and swim around in for the rest of our lives. And when we um, get to heaven ourselves, we will still not understand the fullness of that. That is, that is such a gift, we cannot grasp it. And there are lots of other things like that about God. Y'all will talk about them in your small groups. But there is a problem with the incomprehensibility of God, Right? It's so big, and it's so incomprehensible that what do we tend to do? We tend to shrink it. We want a God who's more manageable um, and understandable, kind of in our terms, the way we define it, because after all, we're human. That's the only way we can live, right? It, that's our default. Our default mode is we want a God that we can sort of control. We can use, or at least we can put him over here and make sure he's there when we need him. We can go back and find him, right? 
We want to control, we want to be sovereign, and that never, ever works. And that's a good thing. That is a very good thing. Because if we could ever fully know this God, if we could ever fully understand this God, we would dismiss him. Because familiarity breeds contempt. We all know that in our own lives. Jesus was not accepted in his own hometown because they knew him too well. So it's a good thing we can never know God too well. That's a really good thing. Uh, if we could, he wouldn't be a God we wanted to know. You know, if I, if I, and I find this weirdly comforting, if I can really understand God, then that's a God I don't really want to belong to, right? The mystery of it is something that is comforting to us, that this is a God we cannot fully know. But he is sufficiently knowable, and that's the good news, Right? We can't understand him fully, but we can understand some things about him. <clears throat> God is incomprehensible, but in his love, he has revealed certain things about himself that are true. And we can know them. We call them God's attributes. And we've been studying these all year. We've been exploring experiencing God as he has revealed himself through these attributes. He reveals just enough of himself that we can know him. And even though he's incomprehensible to us, we are thoroughly comprehensible to him. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit searches even the depths of God and knows the thoughts of God. His spirit interprets him for us. He knows God. He reveals God to us. And if that were not enough, along with the guidance and everything else the Holy Spirit does, he prays for us. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, he prays for us in groanings too deep for words and always within the will of God. Sometimes we don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit always knows how to pray. God fully knows us. Every corner of us, every second of our lives, every second of our future, he fully knows us. Now, if we think about that, that's kind of a scary thought, right? But he loves us anyway. He loves us anyway. And part of the Spirit's job is to continually draw us to him, to continually fill that hole in our heart with him. So that's it about incomprehensibility. I was thinking, I was like, oh, man, that is too big. And that is, you know, that's, we're never going to get to the end of God. We could spend eternity and we'll never get to the end of God. And so what are we going to do with that right here on earth in this little finite time? All right, there are three things that I have for you. Take-homes. First of them is a daily meditation. It's, it's Lent. It's a good time to learn this practice even if you haven't done it before. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Just five minutes a day. And then I encourage you to uh, increase that. You will want to increase that, actually, when you sit before the Lord and hold that and ask him to reveal himself to you. Meditation. That's the way the Spirit will draw us deeper into the mystery of God. So that's the first thing. Second, <clears throat> second part of the homework is asking 
you know, uh, the divine mystery is never going to be fully revealed to us. It's not all tidied up in the end like human mysteries are. There are lots of things in our lives we don't understand. Uh, some of us question, uh, we fight against them, we refuse to accept them, we're always wrestling with them, they're trying to figure them out, you know, trying to fix them, all those. I'm sure maybe none of you have ever done that, but I tend to do that. I fight before I follow. Let me just say that. We ask. We ask how, we ask why, we ask when, we ask how long, we ask what can we do about it, when are you going to change this for me, how, you know, all those kinds of questions. Let me just encourage you for this one week to ask a different question. Ask who. We know the who behind all of that, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But the question I want you to ask, if you are in one of those places, is who do you want me to be in this? Not when is it going to end, how am I going to live through it, but who do you, Lord, want me to be in the midst of this? Because I guarantee you who he wants you to be, <clears throat> you're going to think is incomprehensible, and the people around you are going to go, what? That's a mission and a ministry in the midst of all of that. <clears throat> Okay, the third part of the homework is seeing. The first was meditate, second was ask, the third one is to see, right? Just as God has planted in us uh, part of his image, he has created every other single human being on the planet in his image as well. Now, we don't look with God's eyes, we look with human eyes. But ask the Spirit to open your eyes to see the image of God in others this week. There is one person in your life, and that name's probably going to come to you when I say this. There's one person in your life that desperately needs you to see the image of God in them and to affirm them for it. And I hate to say this, it's probably the person that irritates you the most. It may be yourself. It may be yourself. But this week, look for the image of God in everybody that God brings across your path. Ask your, the Spirit to open your eyes to see. And in those ways, we get into the edge of the mystery that is God. Okay, I want to close by just saying this. I find the M... Uh, <coughs> The incomparability of God, the incomprehensibility of God, the fact that I can't understand God, the fact that he is a mystery gives me such hope and such expectation. We all live in places where there's change and there's transition. Jill Williams calls it the liminal edge. It's like the edge of the earth that you can't quite see beyond. You don't know what's on the other side. Our lives are like that. We can see this part, but we can't see that part. And when you are shrouded in the edges of the mystery of God, when you understand that he is truly incomprehensible and yet he loves us anyway, we can stand on that edge. I can stand on that edge with great hope because I don't have to figure it out. I can have freedom because I don't have to be in charge of it, of whatever's coming. 
I don't have to know. I can be open to the surprise that God has for me on the other side of that liminal edge. And the other thing it helps me do is realizing that I can live with hands open like this. A friend of mine refers to it as holy indifference. That sounds terrible, right? But what it means is you're indifferent to your own will and you are open to the holy will of God, which we all know is good because he is good. So understanding, getting a glimpse of the mystery of God and gives us hope. It gives us hope. It gives us freedom. It gives us joy of belonging to him. You can embrace that mystery. You can lean into it because we can trust this God even though we fully cannot know him because he loves us more than we can imagine even though he knows us fully. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a mystery, that you reveal just so much of yourself to us and not your full self or we couldn't stand it. Father, this week as we go forth from this place, help us to catch glimpses of your mystery. That even though we don't understand and we can't know about you, we can know some things. Help us to live into those things. To see others with your eyes. To see the image of Christ in them. To ask the right questions. Who do you want me to be in this? To meditate on your word and be drawn more fully into your orbit that we may reflect your light and love to a world that desperately needs it. And they may not understand, but we understand that that comes from you. Fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we may go forth from this place and touch people in the ways and in the places that you want us to. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>